previously on the Edda Buddies podcast. Everybody's journey is totally different. People can tell you about how they succeeded and maybe they give you an idea, but doing exactly what they did is not going to give you their results. If a reader reads my book, I want them to get obsessed. I want them to like try to look me up and find more books by me. You know, I have nine novels out there, so I've done this nine times. Does that mean that I'm actually insane? You're not having fun writing the books. Like, what is the point? Welcome back to the Edda Buddies podcast. This is a show about writing, editing, and the friends you can make along the way. This is going to be part two of my conversation with authors and self-publishers Kristen Helling and J.R. Frontera. If you missed part one, I highly recommend you go back and check it out. However, I do have to share my first ever retraction. In the last episode, Jenny had stated that 3 million books were published on Amazon every day, uh, and that's not true. She later informed me that it's actually closer to 3,000, which is still a lot, but not quite 3 million, so just wanted to clarify that. In this episode, we are talking all about audiobooks, and then we're going to dive into how Jenny became Kristen's editor. Let's get to it. But another thing we didn't talk about that uh, kind of in the last two years has started to get really big and will have a lot more evolution coming up is audio. So Mm -hmm. when I look at my sales, um, which are flatlining in some places um, or have been flatlined, um, audio is where I make money every single month. Yes. Wow. Me too. And so it's like, and I only have three of my books in audio. And the reason is because the investment to create them as an indie is so high. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. If you use a narrator that is uh, professional, reputable, not just right. starting out, like um, it is super high to create those works. But on the back end, that's people are borrowing at libraries and people are buying audio right now. So yeah. I, there's a lot of talk about AI and stuff. I'm not super interested in that, but I do think that we're going to see a lot more of that moving forward. Like that's going to be a part of indie industry that is going to really evolve. And like right now, I feel like it's already happening. I, I'm really glad you, you brought that up too, because I feel like audio is, I mean, it's interesting because it's still something that I think a lot of people think of as an afterthought, you know? I mean, just thinking about how much of a market there is for podcasts, like people like having something they can listen to while they're uh-huh. doing other tasks. And, yep. We're and busy yeah. world. everybody's busy and audio is a way that you can consume your entertainment while doing other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like driving or yeah. Or That's doing laundry. pretty much. I mean, audiobooks are basically the only way I read these days mm-hmm. because yeah. yeah, because I'm so busy. I don't have time to like sit down and stare at a book. But I can listen to an audiobook while I'm driving, while I'm doing the dishes, while I'm folding laundry, you know, while yeah. I'm doing, yeah, something else. Get, and then you oh, can, um, you can, the consumer can borrow audiobooks from the library, the public library for free, mm-hmm. but the author on the back end still makes royalty from the borrow. Mm-hmm. Oh. So it's free to the consumer, but you're still making money. And I don't know any other um, platform that is like that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And uh, also, you know, you have to think like um, about people who are visually impaired as well. Like literally the only way, well, not the only way, but probably the way they prefer to read would be 
to listen to the audiobook. So the more audiobooks there are, the more selection they have to also enjoy books. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. And like Kristen, I mean, I, I make money every month on my audiobooks. I only have two out right now. I'm finally uploaded the files for book three. Yep. <laughs> it took literally like three days. Um, so I'm about to push that through to all the the retailers, which then will take them probably two months to actually put it up. But um, so I'll have three soon, but right now I only have two and I make money on them every single month since they were first published and I don't do anything. I mean, I don't, I don't do anything for any of my books, but yeah. <laughs> audiobook, yeah, I don't do marketing. I mean, I rarely even talk about the things on social media. I didn't even email my newsletter for like a year. I'm back to doing that at least now. <laughs> but the point is that I don't do a lot of marketing or even talking about my stuff. Um, but the audiobooks earn money every month, regardless, whereas the ebooks and paperbacks move much less, obviously. Yeah. And it's like a passive income because yeah. you're done with the product and it's over there just making money passively for you, which is great. Yeah. Um, awesome. How, what, how was the process of finding like a person to read it because to me that seems like it would be really personal i know when i'm reading an audiobook my experience is very much affected by the performance of the reader and if it's an annoying voice or if i don't feel like they're doing the story justice Mm -hmm. i will stop listening so what was that kind of process like for you yeah so for me jenny and i have different stories and i'll just be quick with mine but mine was uh, a personal thing uh hit and my brother is a sag actor in la So Hollywood shut down and he wasn't getting work and that's how he pays his bills. And (laughs) I have always wanted to collaborate with him, you know, on a project. And so, um, so I asked him if he wanted to narrate my idea man series because the protagonist is very much inspired by my brother. Oh, Um, There there are of course, very many differences between the two characters, but you know, uh, he was like the, the right demographic for that character. So uh, with his voice. So, and also because he's a trained actor, um, he can do the different voice, like a variety of voices for the different characters and differentiate them, even female voices, old people voices. Like he was really good at like performing it as opposed to just reading it. So that was important for me. And so because COVID hit and he wasn't getting work and I needed narrator, um, we collaborated on that. And he had a home studio that he had a walk-in closet that was was transformed into a home studio so that he could do other work in he did a lot of voice acting for virtual reality ga- uh, games so oh, he nice. did like video game video game voiceovers um and animation just a lot with his voice because he wasn't able to go in person until hollywood reopened so that's how he found work making a home studio with professional equipment and he also had the resources to mix masters to do all of the post editing on the the work which was wow. important so he, he gave yeah. me, regardless of our personal relationship being siblings, he gave me no discount whatsoever. <laughs> he is a union actor. So I had to pay higher than I would any other narrator. Um, you know, like I did have to pay a lot of money, but he did all three books so and it was really fun because we would do like a Zoom call, you know, cause I live in the Midwest and he's in LA. So we did Zoom calls where we talked about the characters and what I'm looking for. My books, uh, that series is also multilingual. There's Spanish and French in it. 
And he did both of those really, really well because he wow. studied both of those languages. So I got lucky there. Nice, nice. <laughs> and so, That's great. He, yeah, so it was fun to have that interaction of, okay, well, how do you pronounce this character's name? What is their personality? Jenny actually gave me a lot of feedback on how to portray that to a narrator in terms of coming up with like an Excel spreadsheet chart mm. that had the different <laughs> um, things that he needed to know for their dialects and their personalities. So, so yeah. And then that's a good transition into your story. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, I would say that, that the normal way to find a narrator <laughs> is, uh, Audible's author facing website is ACX, I think.com ACX.com. I think, um, but if you go there, you can search hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of narrators. I mean, there are wow. a bajillion. There's so many. Uh, and all of them normally have uploaded samples. So you can usually listen to a few different clips of them reading a few different style genres, voices, et cetera, et cetera. So you can sort of, you can also filter it, of course. Are you looking for male, female, age, accent, um, that kind of thing? So you can just listen, you know, and kind of find one you like, or maybe if you listen to an audiobook and you love the narrator, you can make a note of who narrated it. We went to an audiobook awards show a few years ago, actually, because one of our friends' audiobooks got nominated. It was a fantastic time, first of all. But secondly, I was like literally making a list, writing down a <laughs> list of the narrators because all of them were like so good. Yeah. So that's another, you know, thing you can do. Um, stockpile names to look up later um or there's also find away voices which i personally prefer because if you go through well not always but only if you do royalty share with acx then you're locked into audible but find away voices um has the same sort of thing they will help you find a narrator so what they do is you fill out like a little sort of description and say like what is your book about what genre what kind of do you need a male female age narrator you send that to them and then they will hand pick a few people for you and send you samples of those people and you can either pick one if you're like eh, i don't really like any of these they'll pick a few more and send you a few more until you find one that you do like and then they'll sort of like work with you to get that audiobook produced um that way so that's the normal way you find narrators um yeah Kristen you know told you her situation and then for me so the series I'm working on now is a weird western which it started out as a historical western because I had played Red Dead Redemption 2 and I absolutely loved that game that game sort of made me realize like you know there's a lot of western tropes that I really enjoy <laughs> so I was like I really love some of the things they did in this game, but as normal, um, I wish they would have done things differently or gone deeper into this, or, you know, they could have done this, 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 and they didn't do it. Um, that's the editor coming out in you. That's the, right. It's yeah. like, this was good, <laughs> but we true. can make it better. <laughs> we can make it so much better. Exactly. That's what I did. Um, and back in the day, what I would have done with that is write a fan fiction. Uh, but these days I'm like, I don't have time for fan fiction. Right. So if I write anything, it's gotta be original fiction, something that I can actually work with and sell. So instead I started my own historical Western or so I thought, um, that took all of those things that I really liked from red dead, but did it my way. And of course added stuff. Um, and then it morphed into something that was not historical at all. Uh, so now it's like, 
yeah, like a sci-fi Western, weird Western, crazy world building crap, because apparently I just can't not do that. <laughs> um, but the point is that uh, I had just, played this game for like six months straight so I had the playable character is uh, Arthur Morgan and I had his voice in my head while I was writing the series my weird western series he was my main character Van like I just heard his voice I wrote the whole book like in that voice essentially and then I thought you know that guy is so good at getting like the emotion and stuff through his voice like I would love to have him narrate my books. And then randomly, I was watching an interview with him and he mentioned audiobook narration. And I was like, no shit. I'm like, well, that's just perfect. So oh. <laughs> then I made it my mission in life to um, track down his contact information professionally because I did follow him on social media, uh, on Instagram mostly, but I'm not going to, say will you narrate my audiobook on social media like one that's really tacky you know so not really the way to be taken seriously yeah exactly exactly how many people probably message him that a day and not only that but how many other messages of nonsense is he getting like Mm -hmm. swamped right because this was like the heyday of that game's popularity too and this is and i had actually met is this this roger clark or who yeah. Yes. Roger Clark. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's who we're talking. The about. actor who plays. Yeah. Yeah. The actor who plays Arthur Morgan is is Roger Clark, and he had come to Planet Comic Con too. I was gonna say I before. thought he did. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. And I met him and talked for a little bit, and he was like so nice. So one, he was super nice. Two, he had the perfect voice, and three, he did audiobook narration. I'm like, if I ask him, I bet he'll say yes. But the point is, how the freak do I find? <laughs> information the right person is not on social media yes oh my gosh it took three months three months and I mean I was doing stuff like like I paid for a subscription to IMDb, IMDb pro because if you pay for that you can actually see actors um like agents information and everything and I was like first of all I didn't know how that works that's kind of cool <laughs> keep that in mind for later but um yeah, I got his agent information, everything. So I did all this work, uh, three months go by, nothing's working. So I sort of had given up for a while and I was like, okay. Oh, I even at 20 books, I talked to Tantor because he does a lot of audiobooks for Tantor. So I talked to them even about maybe producing my audiobook just so I could get to him. Um, and the lady there actually was like, yeah, you know, submit your book and we'll see about it, which she was like, well, I like it, but we want to see how your ebook sales do first. Cause you know, they don't want to produce something they're going to lose money on. Yeah. So, um, cause the book had like literally like it, I hadn't even released the ebook yet. So, I mean, we didn't know how it was going to do. Right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah. So I had kind of given up. I was like, okay, well I'll just go to a convention that he's at sometime and I'll just ask him like face to face, like, Still not that great, right? Still a little tacky, but at least better than a social media message. A lot harder to ignore, like, off Right, I'm like, he cannot escape, you know? <laughs> I mean, it'd be a little weird and a little awkward, but he, I mean, he was, like, so nice. I'm like, you know, whatever. At least he'll be nice if he tells me no. So uh, that was my plan. And then I just randomly, it was January 5th, 2020. I remember the day. Um, 
I got a reply message from one of the places that I had contacted him on one of his like acting profile things that I found. Uh, yeah. And he replied three months later and was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to. And I was like, <gasps> what? So anyway, yeah. So then uh, that was amazing. And uh, he's narrated all my audiobooks so far. And he is perfect. Been, it has been very fun watching the journey. Like, like, <laughs> Jenny goes through like fangirling out because, you know, I don't think that he would have would have taken the job if your writing wasn't good. Mm. Like you're, you know, and so and he, he didn't would, read it. He, he, he would come back first. with feedback, like, "Oh, I can't wait to see what happens next." And Jenny would be like, "Oh my god, did you see what Roger said? Did you see what he said?" <laughs> that is <laughs> true. Just, like it that was so true. fun to just see this whole thing unfold from the sidelines. But, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that it was definitely not normal and it did take a lot of work and a lot of uh persistence but um he is a super super nice guy and he did accept the job without reading anything but then after he was reading the book he did say some yeah. very nice things and yep. I kept all those emails and I read them. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love that you do have this like story of like perseverance and like you know Mm-hmm. going after it yeah. which is so cool I was like this is happening because <laughs> literally literally but it actually I think it was also good timing I mean I think he probably would have um taken it anyway but it happened to be perfect timing because it was right in the beginning of 2020 mm. uh and shortly after he agreed to take on the project was when everything shut down so kind of like Kristen, I was helping him through this time of not having physical work by giving him voice work. And he also has a studio in his basement in a closet. So he was able to do everything at home. I'm happy to help out actors in this time of need. Yeah. Uh, and then they, <laughs> you know, they help us by giving us a amazing product. But yeah, Roger is, uh, yeah, he's so great. He does amazing. I want to talk about, I do want to talk about editing and the editing process, especially from this kind of interesting relationship that you guys have. So I guess I kind of want to know, firstly, like, JR, how did you start it as a writer? What made you go, I really want to start editing other people's stuff? What made you want to make that transition? Um, It sort of started because... um... So for some reason, like I've just always naturally been good at editing. Um, like grammar has always come fairly easy spelling. Uh, and then I've taken workshops and classes with various other like traditionally published authors in the past. And they would impart, you know, great wisdom upon me <laughs> that I would then apply to my own writing. But then I would run into other writers who obviously had not heard that advice yet or whatever so I would pass it on to them um so like that coupled with me being able to catch like typos and plot holes for some reason I don't know I just seem to be able to recognize that more easily than most other writers I know so Mm -hmm. like once I figured that out um and the other writers sort of figured that out they were like needing editors you know editors cost a freaking arm and a leg audiobooks and editors are the most expensive things um, as a self-published author. So it was like a need, <laughs> like they needed editors that wouldn't break the bank. 
And then I was already good at that stuff anyway. And then I was like, well, I wouldn't mind some extra money. So I can charge them a third of what anyone else would cost. And, you know, I know I'll do a good job. So um, that's kind of how it got started. And then after I did a few, you know, they were really happy with what I did. Uh, And then they would sort of tell other people. (laughs) So then I would get a few more people. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll do this uh, full time. And then I was like, no, this is a horrible idea. So I only did that for like (laughs) one year. Uh, And I realized I don't enjoy it enough to do it full time. Mm. Um, And also it takes me longer than most editors to get through things, but it's because I do everything at one time. So I'll do a developmental edit and also like a proofread. So I'll catch everything from missing punctuation, typos, plot holes, character inconsistency, like all of that crap. I will just comment like on all of it at once. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's kind of how that started. So now I pretty much only do it for people I've already edited for essentially. I'm like, right. You're not like, like soliciting clients. Like, right. Like yeah. I pretty much close it down. Um, every now and then if somebody says, Hey, will you edit my book? Then I'll be like, okay, sure. If I have time or whatever, but that's pretty much all I do now. So <laughs> So then Kristen, what was the, you had been edited, you had used a a different editor before you started using Jenny, right? And what was that experience like? And then how did it change when you started being edited by a friend? Because I feel like those would be two very different experiences. Yeah. um, Editors before Jenny, like I've used lots of different ones um, because you just have to try to find your one that you mesh well with Mm -hmm. um, and somebody that's going to give you honest feedback, but in my case, I need somebody that's going to give it to me with a soft blow. Yeah. Uh, because if they're like mean, like it, there's a personality type that you have to mesh with essentially. Mm. Like in some people, some people, um, like that, like hard, like, um, right. Like boot camp style sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, military like i don't know i do this not is terrible do it better <laughs> yes yeah and so like i don't respond to that well and so i need <laughs> to find somebody that you know um that wouldn't and i had a really good long relationship with my previous editor she was awesome uh she edited five of my books my in my first novel capsule she edited and so there was nothing wrong with that relationship um but, uh, ultimately in the end, you know, I don't want to, there were, there were some like, um, things that I was concerned about that, that she was missing, mm. uh, that readers were picking up on and, um, they were more typo issues than they were story issues. And so it, I was looking at, at that as I'm paying somebody to fix those things because I'm the writer, not the editor. And so the editor catches those things and, and she's human. Uh, we're yeah. all human. Mm-hmm, um, right. but, and, you know, and I do sometimes also pay a proofreader after my editor to try and catch things. And there's still things that aren't caught. So it's totally mm-hmm. not anyone's fault. But um, I think it was like a natural time to move on from that editor. Were you using her more for like line editing and like copy editing, like typos and yes. word choices versus like developmental yes. type stuff? Correct. Yeah. I did not hire her as a developmental editor. She did mostly line editing. Um, And so, and then like just typos and stuff. Um, Jenny, regardless of what you hire her for, she can't help (laughs) not giving the feedback on all aspects of story and grammar and line Mm -hmm. editing and everything. So (laughs) um, I, you know, I knew like it, 
I'm not even sure why we ended up starting the editor writer relationship, but I, I did have a lot of conflict with it a lot because Mm -hmm. for multiple reasons, the main one being as Jenny's business partner, I know how busy she is and me giving my novel to her to edit while there is the benefit to her of making money so she can use that, that money on her projects, she's, it's taking time away from her finishing her projects. And so me firsthand <laughs> knowing what projects she needs to finish and me being a distraction to that <laughs> is a huge conflict for me. But, and then the Aww. other one is, what if my writing sucks? <laughs> it needs to be like, my business partner cannot write. And we're right. We're, we have a publishing company. And like, right? My business partner can't write books. So that was a major concern of mine. Now, um, but she, like, I think that um, after having Jenny, I think like you edited like three chapters or something and gave it back to me with the issues so that I could go back and reply those issues to the rest of the book before you spent your time. And I think like a major one was like past perfect tense. Oh, right. <laughs> terrible at past perfect. But the goal is every single time you write a book, you get better. Mm-hmm, and right. so Jenny has, you know, she edited my whole trilogy and I'm like on book three. Oh my God, what if this, what if I'm backtracking? <laughs> I give this book to Jenny and it's worse than the previous two. <laughs> you just, you have like all of these like so funny. in your mind, but anyway, I, so those were like my conflicts. And so, but I think that when we go at it, we're professional and we have a timeline Mm -hmm. and we communicate when that timeline can be met. Mm -hmm. And if I have a timeline that's unrealistic, Jenny's not afraid to tell me like, look, (laughs) you're not going to have this ready by Comic-Con. I'm just going to say it. You will kill yourself trying to get it ready by Comic-Con. And that was like a year ago. And the project is still not done. But is this the is this the pirate novel yeah. that you've been sitting on forever? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jenny has Jenny has edited my Idea Man trilogy, and that those books are done and they're out in the world, completely finished. The current book that I'm writing uh, and editing, its first draft is done. My self editing is done. Jenny's done a pass through. I'm about three fourth or not three fourths. What am I trying to say here? I'm almost to half. I'm a little over a fourth. <laughs> through Jenny's pass-through. And so, like I said, Jenny, whether you say only look at punctuation, Jenny's going to look at everything and comment on everything. Yeah. So um, I've already read through all of her comments and they're all like, literally the job of an editor is to make your book better. And all of Jenny's comments make my book better. So I have to do it justice (laughs) and not, and there are some things that I'm like, I'm going to ignore that one. (laughs) What? (laughs) It might just be like very detailed things that I feel like my audience won't care about, but (laughs) in in it, I'm like, I'll be like, okay, she's getting too deep into that specific subject. And I don't want that to be (laughs) of this scene. Mm. So I'll either cut it out of the scene. So I don't have to do that research that Jenny (laughs) says it requires or (laughs) like, I'll just take it out of the book and like I, it's it, you have to pick and choose your battles here mm-hmm. yeah uh, but, I also, but there are also some things when like that cannot be left this way yeah. and he's absolutely <laughs> right about it and you know and I think it also shows maturity as a writer 
that you read feedback and you're not right away like, you're wrong, that's not right. If you feel that right. way, put it aside and read it 10 days from now and your opinion mm -hmm. will be completely different. And so mm -hmm. this last book that I just read, I read through it and I was not, and I know Jenny's editing work has done this to other writers. When oh, okay. I read it, I was not like, I'm doomed. This book is never, <laughs> I can't do it. it. It's, I'm too, like, it's over. When I read her book, when I read her notes, I was like, I can do this. I, it just needs some work, but it can be done and it will be better for it. So I'm kind of in that. And, and you know, the reason why it's taken so long is not because of the writing. It's because of um, my other, you know, I had a baby. And oh, yeah. In the last year. and <laughs> I I'm, just had a baby. <laughs> I'm expanding my, uh, my day job, my business. And so there's quite a few stuff going on in my personal life that has just stopped me from having enough hours in the day to dedicate to this book. And that's why it's taking longer than than my normal schedule is. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, knowing Jenny personally, we just talked about this. I was like, um, when do we, when do, when should I send it to you for another pass through uh, in consideration to your schedule? So, um, and that motivates me a lot because I'm a deadline person. So Jenny was like, I will have time January 1st. And so in my mind, I'm like, I'm finishing that book by January 1st because I have to get it to Jenny by then or she will be into another project and not have time until the next time, yeah. which could be months. Probably so. summer. <laughs> so that is a good motivator. That might be January or like summer sometime, I'm guessing. <laughs> I really love that you said though, that with this last book that she edited for you, it was like, okay, I can do this. I'm not just going to like trash this like I can actually yeah. fix this and make it good because I um I'm actually in an uh, a editing course right now and that's one of the things that the teacher is like very like adamant about is like your goal is to keep the author writing if your feedback makes them go I'm a terrible writer and I'm just going to put it in the trash, then you have failed because that's yep. not the point. The point of an editor is to keep you writing and to show you, hey, what you've done is great. Here's how you can take it up a level or two. That's what you, that's what you want. So, and I love, I love Jenny's notes of like, she's like hard in some areas where she's like, um, you need to flesh this out. This is not realistic. You need to do this, this, and this. But then she also writes comments as a fan. Like mm -hmm. she's just reading it and she'll be like, Ooh, I love that. Or like, she'll be like, I was not expecting that. Or she will give you her reaction notes as well, which right. is really fun. And like, yeah, so I really enjoy that. Getting well. that yeah. kind of enthusiastic feedback is really like, you can't really get that anywhere else. Yeah. Like you, you don't, you don't, mm -hmm. you might get some comments from readers, you know, but it's not the same as like, you're reading your manuscript and right next to it, there's a little note that says, this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel bad though because I know it's time consuming. Yeah, <laughs> I mean a little, but I feel like the the feedback on what needs to be fixed is more time consuming than just being like, oh holy crap, like that was so cool, you know? Oh yeah, coming yeah. up with like, hey, I can. It's like you identify what's wrong, but then you have to give a suggestion on how they can possibly fix it. That is the hardest part of editing, like 100% for me, at least is, is, is it's like, oh, it's easy enough to see that something's wrong, but being able to say like, hey, here's an idea or here's a couple ideas on how you could make this better. Very, yeah. very time and, and energy consuming. Also, um, cause I also try to, uh, to explain also why something maybe is yeah. not right so that yep. they can like learn for next time or whatever 
Yes. And sometimes that's very difficult, especially with the English language. (laughs) I think sometimes I've even been like, okay, so this is how this is. I don't understand. Like, that's just how it is. Like, I can't explain why. Yeah. That's just how English is. You're just going to have to memorize this one because it doesn't make sense. And you could even go and like find, like spend a lot of time finding the grammatical rule that you feel like, you know, because you've been in it and you know that, that you, but you could, and then you could say, oh, here's this explainer on why this grammatical rule applies here. And the author's going to be like, okay, like (laughs) (laughs) not necessarily worth the investment some of the time. Yeah, Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Very All right, true. well, Kristen, I know you have to get out of here. Um, I really appreciate your guys' time. I hope we can do this again, honestly. Like, this has been really cool just to hear. It was really fun. Yeah, <laughs> I think it'd be really fun to do it again. Um, so just to end up, I'd love for both of you to kind of have your time to give a plug. Where can people find your books? What are you working on now? What should they check out if they want to, like, get to know you guys and your writing a little bit more? Mine's simple. It's just my website. Um kristenhelling.com. <laughs> I don't know if you'll have the spelling and like a caption or something, yeah. but uh, Kristen with two eyes, helling.com. So that's bit You can find everything on how to reach me and what my books are and where to buy them on that website. What do you recommend starting with? Which book would I, you start with? I always recommend Capsule um, because it's a standalone novel that's short and a fast read. And it's like a gateway like the gateway into how I am as a writer and what my style is, uh, but it's not a huge investment. Cool. So um, I always say that at Comic-Con and then some people are like, well, I want the investment. I'm like, okay, well then <laughs> I'm the most proud of my trilogy of the Idaman series. I'm most proud of that one. But I also, I think Capsule stands the test of time still um, being my first book. So very cool. Nice. I like it. Um, yeah, you could also go to my website. Um, I actually, I need to update it, but you know, most things are generally there. So, uh, it's jrfrontera.com. That's my website. Uh, and I'm also on Facebook as Jennifer R. Frontera and then Instagram as jrfrontera. Those are the places I usually am. If you sign up to my newsletter, you'll get a free novella. Um, so there's that. Uh, that's on my website um but it's the prequel to the weird western series i'm writing now so um you can get like a little sneak peek at some stuff that happened back in the day series called the weird western series is the legacy of lucky logan that's the series name so um yeah and i'm in the middle of that one so if you want like a a fun light-hearted read the starship ass trilogy is complete and I am very fond of that trilogy. It was a really good time. We had a lot of fun with it. And I do love those characters. Like with the, the space pirate crew we came up with are hilarious. And yes, I, I have a lot of fun with them. Uh, and then if you want something a little chewier and darker, <laughs> you can go with the Lucky Logan series. Um, so having a lot of fun with that too. So, and of course I have the shorts out there, but they're mostly on my, my website. You can pretty much find everything there. So. And that is our show and the conclusion of our first two part episode. If you want to check out Jenny's weird Westerns or find out if Kristen's brother was worth all the money she paid him, I will put both of their websites in the show notes. 
As you know, I also offer editing services through my own business, Midright Worlds, which you can find on Instagram or my website at midright.com. You can also always email the show at edabuddiespod at gmail.com. Next month is a very special episode where we will be talking with a fantasy and science fiction editor who I know you are already familiar with. I can't wait for you to hear it. See you next time.